Good morning, church. There's another blessing that God has given, the breath of life. And here we are today, ready and prepared to worship our great God. It is good to see each of you here this morning, both members and visitors alike, those who are here present and those who are online. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the love that you have for us and for the grace and mercy that you have showed to us and for the patience that you have granted us and for Jesus, your great Son, who died for us and for the wonderful Holy Spirit who dwells in us, who sealed us. We ask, Lord God, that you will bless us as we worship you this morning, that you will guide us into all truth, that you will keep our mind from worldly thought, that you'll help us, Lord God, to focus only on you, that we might remember the great sacrifice that was made in our behalf, and that we might surrender to you in all things. These things we ask and pray and thank you for, in that wonderful name of Jesus Christ, that be thy will. Amen. Please turn to John chapter 13. Jesus is Lord. There is one God. There is one Lord. For one cannot be God without being Lord. John 13, verse 13, Jesus says, You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. Turn to Isaiah, please, chapter 43. Jesus never denied who he was, for he knew who he was and knows who he is. We've been looking at this lesson series to ensure that we know who he was and know who he is. In Isaiah 43 and verse 10, he's our Savior. The Bible says, you are my witness, the witnesses declares the Lord and my servant whom I have chosen in order that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed and there will be none after me. I, even I am the Lord and there is no savior besides me. You know, the Bible repeats this refrain over and over again. If you begin in Genesis and read through Revelation, God continues to say that you might know me, that they might know me, that they might believe in me. Luke chapter 2. So God has spent uh, thousands of years to convince humans of who he is. He has spent thousands of years to to ensure that that we understand that he is God. There is no savior besides him. He is Lord. He is king of kings. And God will continue to spend year after year and day after day trying to convince the world of the same message. In Luke 2, beginning at verse 9, And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, 
For behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Philippians chapter 3. There is historical evidence. There is scriptural or biblical evidence. And yet people still refuse to believe who he is. Philippians 3 and verse 20. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. Jesus is Savior. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 and beginning at verse 1. He is Savior. He is Lord. We're going to end the lesson soon with the question, who is he to you? Verse 1, the Bible says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand and we exult in hope of the glory of God. It's interesting the Bible makes it clear that people that have not submitted or subjected themselves to God are hostile towards God. That's in Romans 8. There is hostility in the minds of humanity towards God, of those who have not surrendered or submitted to our God. And unfortunately and sadly enough, there is hostility still in the minds even of God's children, when we don't get what we want. I want you to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. So kyrios, the Greek word for Lord, it's, it's if you were saying in the Hebrew, Adonai or, or Yahweh. It, it's as if God is saying to us, and it's exactly what God is saying to us, that I exist all by myself. In other words, Here's a sad reality, but it's a great reality. But it's something that people, for some reason, have had a hard time really grasping and surrendering to. And it, it sounds kind of cruel. And when you hear the preacher say it, you say, well, oh, that sounds kind of harsh. But let me just tell you, God doesn't need any one of us. Not one of us. And sometimes, knowing he's Lord, we still live our lives as if God owes us something. Right? Like, God, you owe me, and so therefore, God doesn't need us. He never has. He never will. But He loves us. Because He made us. But if we get in our minds that God cannot exist without us, that someone said one time that God was so lonely before the beginning that He made mankind. Right? Where do we get that from? Because we believe that God needs us. He wants us. He desires us. 
but he doesn't need us because he's Lord. And when you think of the Godhead in eternity, the Godhead is co-equal and co-substantial and and co-eternal, omniscient and omnipotent and and omnipresent, all-knowing, everywhere at the same time, all-powerful. That's what makes God God. The Godhead. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I want to, I want to look at verse 14 because I want us to try to kind of get our minds wrapped around this for just a moment. First Timothy chapter 6. That you keep the commandment without stain or reproach until the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, which He, the Father, will bring about at the proper time he who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. The Father, the, the Godhead, potentate, the, the ruler, if you will, of the world and And you think of the Father and you say, wow, the Father, how amazing. And yet, sometimes we forget that Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. And when you think of the Godhead, for centuries the witnesses have seen Jesus. They saw Him in the first century. They witnessed Him. They, as court read this morning, they touched Him. They spent time with Him. But one day, one day, they're going to see him as he is. We are going to see him as he is. And he says in John 10 and verse 30 that I and the Father are one. And so when we think about the scriptures and you think about unapproachable light, what's it going to be like to stand in the presence of Jesus? I'll tell you something that, that this does to me. Turn to John 17. One thing it does to me is it, 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 it frightens me. And when I say it frightens me, I mean with this respectful awe and, and fear and, and reverence and, and just, I'm just standing amazed at the idea that God is, is there in an unapproachable light. That, that I, I couldn't even step forward towards Him because the light is unapproachable. And Jesus in all of His glory, stands in unapproachable light. You see, we get mixed up with the man Jesus because we don't understand everything about God. In fact, there's a lot we don't understand about God. But here, God stands in glory. And when He stands in glory, it's in unapproachable light. He's God. And I'm amazed at God. And in John 17 and verse 4, Jesus says, I glorify thee on the earth, having accomplished the work which thou hast given me to do. And now glorify thou me together with thyself, Father, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. The glory. The glory. Turn to 1 John chapter 3. The glory that I gave up, that I set aside so that I could come to the earth to die for humanity. That they might live 
That one day we might see Him as He is. That we might be with God from the days of eternity. That we might be with God forevermore. Jesus is Lord. Verse 2 says, 1 John 3, Beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not appeared as yet what we shall be. We know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him just as he is. Can you imagine? Turn to Hebrews, please, chapter 1. Can you imagine what it's going to be like to see Jesus in his glory? To see the Godhead in their glory? No, I can't. I cannot. But I know the Hebrews tells us in chapter 1 and verse 1 that God, after He spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made the world. And He is the radiance of His glory and the exact representation of His nature and upholds all things by the word of His power when He had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become much better than the angels, as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. Jesus? (laughs) Jesus is the exact representation of the Father, was able to manifest himself in the flesh and dwell among humanity? And live and do the one thing God cannot do? Die? Wow. Who's the Lord of your life? And verse 8 goes on to say, But of the Son, he says, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the righteous, righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy companions. To be like God. To love righteousness. And to hate lawlessness, wickedness, and evil. For one cannot be God thou being Lord. John chapter 20, please. Remember when Thomas missed the arrival of Jesus after his resurrection? Remember the account that Jesus comes to him and tries to do what God has been doing for thousands of years to convince people of who he is. He says to Thomas in verse 27, Reach here your fingers and see my hands and reach here your hand and put it into my side. And be not unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. 
Church, here's a question. We're going to Isaiah chapter 9. Who is Jesus to you? I mean, really. Who is Jesus to you? Have you surrendered You've gotten rid of the the I syndrome. Are you willing to just give it all to our Lord? Just everything. No, no, not yet, right? Right, church? Not yet. <laughs> you just give your life, all of it, to Jesus. Not yet. Still got some stuff I need to do. I'm going to talk about that tonight. Not yet. Not ready to give Jesus everything yet. Are you? Are you ready to give everything to Jesus? Everything to God? Everything? Or are you still holding something back? You know? What about me, Lord? Because here, here are the things that I want. And here's what I need. And here's who I am. Who's Lord? Him? Or me? Isaiah 9 and verse 6. For a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. See, many have claimed to be Lord. In fact, we may not like to admit it, but we have our own lords, you know, idol gods, right? Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that one day. Our idol gods. We don't want to call them gods, though. Right? We're not going to call anything we put before God an idol god. We're just going to say, I'm just not there yet. We're not going to call it an idol god, though. We're not going to call that that thing that is questionable, right? That practice that is questionable. We're not going to call that idolatry, not yet, because, well, we just kind of like doing what we want to do. Well, look, any, any person or, or any, any thing or any, and I say thing because the inanimate objects, uh, sometimes we, we, we put these things out there and when these things become, they become our gods. But when they deny the Lord, Jesus Christ, they cannot be Lord. They could not be God. And there are many people who have been elevated as gods, right? In our world today, would you agree? Yeah, you agree. Some, some of us follow those people, right? Uh, th- there are many things in our world that have been elevated as lords. As, as when you go back into the Old Testament and you look at all of the gods of the Old Testament, and you go, well, they don't exist today, right? Sometimes I think we believe that Satan has forgotten what works well on humans. Idolatry works well with humans. See? Idolatry works very well. You know what Satan has done? If you go back and you look in the history from the Old Testament, you'll find that Satan brings the same God back, gives him a different name and a different look. You think they're idol gods today, brethren? Of course they are. Of course there are. 
And those idol gods from the Old Testament have been declared as Lord. Right? These are, these are the lords of my life. These are my gods. And those gods still exist to this day. But brother, here's what we have to surrender to. And here's what we have to be willing to say and admit. Buddha's not God. Satan is not God. Athena, Sekhmet, Baal, Aphrodite, Ray, Asherah, Orisis are not God. They still exist in the hearts of humanity, but they are not God. Every Sunday you could pick up your, your newspaper and read the horoscope. That is not God. Zeus, Apis, Hect, Isis, Nut, Buku, Artemis, Lug, Quanon are not God. You say, I haven't even heard of some of those gods. Yes, you have. You just got to go back and do a little research and you'll be amazed that they've been on some of our television commercials to this day. Some of them are in our homes. and We don't even realize it. You know why we don't realize it? Because we don't want to know the truth. We don't want to know. Do you want to know? Let me continue. Hermes, Ragnarok, Apollo, Venus, the constellations of the heavens, Mother Earth, not God, not Lord, Cupid, Krishna, Brahma. Not God. Not God. How about your holidays? Not God. Be careful. Satan has not changed the way he works. Uh, an easy one. The church is willing to say, well, you know, Allah is not God. Well, some folks say, well, I, I can't just say that Allah is not God, but, but Allah is not God. We can say that with, with pride and the fact that we're telling the truth, trying to save people. All right, well, well, do you have any evidence? Well, how about this? The Yusuf Ali, the Quran, the Holy Quran, as they call it. I'll give you a footnote. It's number 1181, page 1181, footnote 4246. says, it is blasphemy to say that Allah begot a son. If that were true, he should have had a wife. Okay, the Quran says in Shura 6, the verse 101, to him is due the primal origin of the heavens and the earth. How can he have a son when he hath no consort? Okay, now the reason why I decided to pick on Allah today is because you would say, oh yeah, we agree with that. But what if I start getting personal and start speaking about the gods in our home? We'll say that for another time. Who is the Lord of your life? Revelation, please, chapter 1. There's one God. There is one Lord. He is one and the same, both Lord and God. For one cannot be God and not Lord. I'm not talking about idolatry. 
we're talking about the one God. I want you to think about the number of people in your evangelistic efforts that you've spoken to who have not surrendered to Jesus because they didn't want to leave their God. Think about that. Verse 8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Satan is busy. Ephesians chapter 6, please. And his desire has not changed. It is to destroy humanity. His works are not different. False doctrine, deception, it's all a part of the devil. And Satan even has some folks calling him Lord. His schemes have been made known to us in the Word of God. They're all over the Bible, and God wants us to know that Satan is not as smart as you think he is. I mean, there are a lot of things out there, but most of what Satan operates off of what's in your heart and in your mind. He doesn't have to be creative. Verse 10 says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of of the devil. Satan is good though at what he does, isn't he? You ever been stung by Satan? I have. You ever been tricked by him? I have. He's still operating, brethren. And he's operating in the exact same ways as he always has. Look, I, our children today, they, they've got it, they've got another battle, right? It's a different battle. We all, you know, growing up, every generation has a different battle against Satan. It's the same stuff, though. You go back and you look, and it's the same stuff being used over and over and over again. But now, our children have to learn tolerance, don't they? You know, tolerate all kinds of sin. It's okay. It's okay, right? Don't make a stand. Don't stand on anything. Because once you begin to stand on, on principles, then, you know, we've got some issues. What a tough life, brethren. We need to be there for our children. Isaiah chapter 5. Y'all were supposed to say amen on that one, but that's all right. Isaiah chapter 5. We have to be there for our children to give our children a leg to stand on because they're fighting against Satan in a way that we didn't necessarily have to fight against Satan back in our days. They're learning that they have to tolerate what's evil. They're learning they have to tolerate and accept what's not right. In fact, they're growing up in a time just like in the days of Isaiah. Where you don't, want, you don't call good, good. You, you don't call evil, evil. You don't call right, right. You don't call... In fact, listen to what it says. Verse 20, Isaiah chapter 5. What are those who call evil good and good evil? Who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness. Who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. This is a mixed up place we're in now. Right? It's mixed up. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I, I'm mixed up. <laughs> you know, I walk down the street, I don't know what, I don't know what to think sometimes. It's, it's confusing. You ever gone to a store 
And then you're talking to someone and you thought it was, but really is. And then they say, and you're like, hold up, I'm confused. <laughs> you ever done that? Yeah, you ever, you ever talk to them? You say, well, uh, thank you, sir. I'm not, a, I'm not a man. Oh, I, I didn't know. I don't say forgive me. I just say you look like one. So I thought, forgive me, but I thought you were. Well, no, I'm, I'm not. Oh, oh, okay. And then I, I don't know. The preacher likes to ask a question. I didn't offend you, did I? Well, you, you know, kind of. Well, you, what if you don't dress like that? I wouldn't confuse you for one. If you, I mean, when you look like that, I'm gonna just. And I was doing it out of respect. It's just confusing, isn't it? But sometimes we're afraid. We're afraid because we've fallen into Satan's trap. What about they, them? You ever heard that one before? And then some days I identify as this and some days, all we're doing is allowing perversion and, and we're just, this place is mixed up. And it's not just that. I mean, it's all kinds of stuff. These kids are having to grow up with all kinds of stuff. It's not just that. Right, that's not the only sin, homosexuality and lesbianism. And, and I don't even know what the other class is. You know, the, you just go through the alphabet and you get a bunch of stuff. Right? But it's not just that. It's not just that. It's whether God is Lord or not. Who is God? You don't have to serve God. No, you don't have to. Evolution. It's not just homosexuality and lesbianism. Don't get caught up in that. It's everything. Evolution. Is there, is there a God? Did God create the heavens and the earth? How did we get here? We're just monkeys. We're apes and we're fish and we're, we're birds and we're, what are we? And our children are having to grow up to hear this mess and this nonsense. And if we don't give them a leg to stand on, it's going to be tough for them later. And you know what it's like? Can you imagine? You're the kid in school, and you're the only one saying, well, you know, God is right. There's only one God. You're ostracized, right? If Jesus is Lord of your life, brethren, we need to start making a better stand. So verse 21, Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes. Woe to those who are heroes in drinking wine and valiant men in mixing strong drink who justify the wicked for a bribe and take away the rights of the ones who are in the right. God just says, whoa, whoa, whoa. You got to take a stand, church. So where does this, where does this start? Why is this lesson serious? You might say, why? He's talking about Jesus again. Well, I don't know what else to talk about. <laughs> He's talking about Jesus again. Let me tell you something. If you don't have God right in your mind, you're going to fail. We have to have God right in our minds. Jesus is Lord. Satan is not. At least not the Lord of my life. He's Lord with a lowercase l. But not with the cat. 1 John 5. I want to close out here. Earlier I asked, who is the Lord of your life? I, I encourage you. I ask you. I plead with you. Take an inventory of your life. Take an inventory of your life and ask yourself, what are those things that, that prevent me, that hinder me from doing what I know I ought to do? 
and then get rid of them. And when you find that you cannot, and I pray that's not the case, you have just found a Lord in your life. Satan still works the same way today that he's always done. So listen to the admonition of John. He says to us, to the church, he says in 1 John 5 and verse 21, little children, Guard yourselves from idols. They're still here. And we're hiding them in our tents. The lesson this morning is yours. I hope and pray that something was said to encourage you, to strengthen your faith. This morning, if you're not a child of God, to encourage you to surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. Having heard his word and believed it and have godly sorrow in your heart and confessing his name before men and being baptized, immersed in water for the remission of your sins. To surrender to him and then stay faithful and true until you leave this earth. Perhaps there's something you're struggling with as a child of God. If there's anything we can help you with, please make it known while together we stand and sing our song of invitation and online contact us. God bless you. the Lamb. Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed?